0: In China, some Western sports have caught on more than others. Take basketball, big enough in the People's Republic for the NBA to make big money playing games in China, recruiting Chinese players who've become superstars in both countries. But baseball? No way. Moves so slowly, it's boring. It has not caught on. Hello again, I'm Warren Alney, and this is the UCLA Anderson podcast, How the World Works. <music> Baseball may not have a lot of continuous action, but it does have something no other sport can claim, and that is data, statistics, going back for more than 100 years. That was discovered by Hengchen Dai, who's originally from China, now assistant professor of management and organizations and behavioral decision making at UCLA Anderson. She found something she needed in baseball, even though she prefers badminton. Professor, welcome.
1: Hi, Warren. Great to be here.
0: Why do you like badminton?
1: Well, badminton is faster, and life is too short for baseball.
0: (laughs) All right, so life is too short for baseball, but you were able to use four decades of statistics about batting by major league players who were traded in the midseason. What did you find out from all that?
1: Yeah, so I had the luxury to analyze such uh, detailed and longitudinal data to look at what happened when baseball players traded um, either to the same league, just a different team, or to a different uh, league.
0: So in other words, from American to national or national to American.
1: Exactly. Thanks for clarify it. And I, well, I'm interested in whether when people are treated across leagues, which can give them a stronger sense of a fresh start, and it can give them a reset on their performance, can change their behavior. So let me clarify what I mean by fresh start and a reset on their performance. So when a player is treated from one league to another league, for example, from American League to National League, their statistics are reset in the middle of the season because the new league wants to track the player's performance from a clean slate in order to know how much the player contributes to the new league, right? Just as the, uh, for example, the batting title, the champion is going to be calculated based on people's contribution in the new league. And I call this a reset. It reflects a refresh of your current performance to date, and you have to start from a clean slate. And I wonder whether when people are traded across leagues and have this opportunity to refresh or reset their performance statistics, they are going to behave differently relative to when they switch teams but within the same league, in which case performance will be continuously tracked over the course of the season. And I find very interestingly, uh, it depends on people's performance before they were traded. If a player had a terrible batting average, For example, if his betting average was one standard deviation below the league average in that season, he actually benefits from this reset. He benefits from moving across leagues relative to if he had moved within the same league. However, if a player's pre-trade betting average was awesome, he's on a roll. For example, if his betting average was above the league average in that given year or given season more precisely, he actually is worse off because of a reset associated with a cross-league trade relative to if he had just moved within the same league. So in other words, I think cross-league trades, which can cause a reset, helps players when they didn't do well in the past, but could harm them if they have done well in the past relative to a winning league trade.
0: Does that suggest then that uh, high expectations... Uh, Can uh, cause a problem rather than being an asset?
1: Oh, that's a great question Yes, uh, that's actually related to uh, the mechanism we find in this paper Uh, so the argument is when you have already had a great performance right you have a high expectation you you think you should do well but you're not sure whether you can do as well again next time because sometimes performance does involve a little bit luck involve a little bit situational factors you're like oh geez last time i did a great now i have to switch jobs now i'm going to another league now my performance is tracked from clean slate i don't know am i going to do as well as before the the high expectation they have from the previous awesome performance could become a drawback, as what you were saying, that make them feel uh, ironically less confident about whether they can do it well again if they have to start from scratch.
0: You know, the baseball season is underway, and we're all looking at trades that have been made. <laughs> and, uh, of course, everybody who is a baseball fan listening to you is wondering, does this apply to the Dodgers today? But that's not what you're looking at. It's something quite different from that. And uh, so, go ahead and tell us about uh, your other research. Uh,
1: yes, um, there. In another project uh, with my co-authors, we are looking at a tennis player, and we also find that uh, positive expectations can become a liability. Uh, the idea is with tennis players, uh, as you probably know, in a match, one is more like a favorite because his ranking has been better. Theoretically, he has a higher chance to beat the other player whose rank is worse. And we look at whether people who are slight favorite, whose ranking is just a little bit better than his competitors, would actually retire more if they did not perform well initially in the first set. And indeed, we find that's the case. A tennis players who are just slightly better uh, in terms of ranking than their competitors actually retire more if they lose the first set. And we think it has something to do with the sense of embarrassment. It just feels so embarrassed. Oh, my God, I'm supposed to win, but I actually am losing. So maybe one way to save face is I claim that I'm sick or I'm injured and now I can I can retire. Yeah. And then we have a follow up lab experiment where people were randomly assigned to either experience a higher expectation or just a moderate level of expectation uh, for doing well. And the people who have the high expectation are more likely to quit a task, and it's because they feel more embarrassed.
0: So you're, you're talking about during the match, a given match itself, when you're behind the player that is not as good as you are, or not supposed to be as good as you are, are you likely then to be a quitter, to, to slow down rather than speed up and say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to beat this person?
1: Yes, that's our finding. They are more likely to quit. And also we do analysis in a way to ensure that the two players from a statistical perspective are as comparable as possible, for example, in their age. Uh, so I think they are just slightly different in the ranking. That way we can argue, wow, even though the difference is small in their ranking, people still feel, oh, I'm the favorite. I'm, I'm better than the other person. I should beat him. And then they're more likely to quit when the game is not going well for them.
0: All right. So I suspect you like tennis better than you like baseball uh, and as much as you're a badminton fan to begin with. But uh, how does all of this apply uh, to business, for example, or to organizations and to management? Uh, What lessons should people take from this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I can start from talking about the insights I gained from the baseball players. So to recap there, we find that performance really affects how people respond to a reset. And I robustly demonstrate this effect with other studies as well. And the one insight from that is managers can help employees psychologically cope with negative feedback if they have not been doing well, uh, by offering them the option to reset their performance statistics, even just merely for the tracking purpose. right? So like allowing employees to psychologically feel like, OK, our performance is starting from scratching a new week. Uh, that way they may be motivated because they think this time I can do better. But then on the other hand, for those people who already do well, I think it's a warning that managers have to be careful that people could feel less confident if you offer this reset opportunity. So one size does not fit all. As you introduce any opportunities that might be associated with reset, for example, when a new manager comes in and then employees' evaluations from the manager's perspective may start from scratch or the company engaging in merger acquisition and the existing infrastructure for evaluation may be gone and then the evaluation may start from clean slate. With all of those possible opportunities for resets, managers should be aware that it may have differential consequences for uh, employees and then for those employees who have been doing well and who might be a little bit self-doubt about their ability to do well again in the new company or in the face of a new manager or in a new scheme of evaluation the manager should help think about how to cultivate those people's confidence again.
0: That's really interesting. Tell us some of the other things that you've discovered from uh, sports studies that you have done that apply, uh, as this does so clearly, to what managers might do or not do.
1: Yeah, so actually the tennis player and the baseball player study are the only two sports uh, studies I have, but I'm happy to talk a little bit about the tennis study in terms of its implications. So one thing that we learned from that project, uh, as you were saying, positive expectation can be a liability, uh, is that managers may want, first, I'm not sure managers even aware of this, right? Because usually we think, by giving someone positive uh, expectation, by telling someone, I think you can do well, and you have been doing so well. That itself, managers may think, can make employees feel good. But what they don't realize is if there is initial uh, disappointment in the performance afterwards, people may actually uh, become more concerned and upset and embarrassed. So first, I think managers should be aware of this potential reaction of high expectation player. And the second, uh, to avoid those people feel so embarrassed by the initial disappointment or the initial setback, the managers can think about how to create environment that focus more on growth mindset. That is uh, to make people feel like it's okay to have failure, you can grow and we can learn from mistakes. And that way, if there is initial setback, the high expectation players are not gonna be so sensitive to it. And they were like okay it's a good opportunity to learn since my manager trusts me that i can do well i must be able to come back that is the mindset that managers should instill and cultivate rather than being very reactive to initial failure themselves
0: are there ways you can use particular events like birthdays or you know the hiring anniversary or something of that kind Is there a way that managers can offer the opportunity for people to reset whatever's happening? You can start over and maybe you'll be better at it.
1: Yes, that's a good intuition. And then quite related to uh, some other work I've been doing on Fresh Starts uh, more generally, Uh, it might be hard to directly reset people's performance on their birthday. Everyone's birthday, you just get reset literally. But what could happen is a psychological reset and uh, you can leverage the moment for example by sending employees a very beautifully created card and making them feel that they have a fresh start uh, for their own personal and professional life so it doesn't have to be literally associated with a clean slate on their performance record, but it could be leveraging this new transition point a starting point of a new chapter in their life to make them feel that they have a fresh start psychologically. And in my other line of work, I actually indeed find that naturally people feel that they have a sense of fresh start at the beginning of a new year, a new week, or a new semester, and also the beginning of a new season, uh, such as the first day of spring. When we highlight those days and measure people's feelings, and we find that people in general, uh, if they have not done well in the past, they believe they could do better after those uh, moments. And they feel like they have a bigger distance from their past self that have failed in certain domain. And they also feel more motivated to, for example, pursue the goal again and work on a task harder and going forward after the fresh start that we have highlighted. So I definitely think you are spot on that things look like transition points in personal and professional lives, like anniversaries at work, birthdays, and maybe the beginning of a fiscal year for the company, the beginning of a new calendar year could be leveraged in the work setting to make those employees who have not done well uh, to feel that they have a chance to start again.
0: Is that, though, uh, are there potential risks in that? Uh, can there be unintended consequences to that, uh, just as there were in the other things you discussed?
1: Yes, totally. I think I always want to be uh, cautious um, when I prescribe insights about my research, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. And one downside I find is how people react when they are anticipating a fresh start, when they're anticipating a new year. Uh, they may procrastinate in a nutshell if they already have a goal they're working on. For example, think about New Year, right? People might wait to create a resolution, um, uh, sorry, people may wait to continue working on their goal in New Year If they think about what should I do in December? Well, the new year is coming up. That is a great opportunity for me to work on my goal. I think I will do great in the new year. So now I can slack off a little bit uh, and just offload my responsibility to my future self. Uh, So in my research with, uh, for example, looking at people's search behavior on Google, as well as uh, experiment where we give people the opportunity to, to work on a task so they can accumulate donations for a charity. And we also have people work on like a Pokemon type of task where they click so they can hatch an egg. In all of those fun tasks, uh, we see that people actually become less motivated and they work less hard right before a fresh start that we highlight. Right? If we tell them, okay, tomorrow is going to be the first day of uh, February. Today is the last day of uh, January. We see people actually click less to earn donation for a charity. Um, and then we, one reason we find is because they think their future self can do better, so why bother to do it now? But ironically, in at least the studies we have co- conducted, we find that people are not necessarily making up naturally uh, after the fresh start, or they do not make up enough to uh, compensate for the loss they have in uh, they have uh, exhibited before the temporal landmark. So I think. What this means in combination with my the the, 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 other, uh, the earlier work I mentioned is if a fresh start is not naturally anticipated by people, so they cannot, um, they cannot strategically behave in a way that will hurt them. I think fresh start is great. That's one thing. And the second, I think fresh start is great for initiate a new goal, but it may not necessarily be good for people who have already been pursuing their goals. So in my earlier work, I offer people the opportunity, when would you like to start your goal? And we tend to see that um, Fresh Start is a good opportunity for people to do that. But in my more recent work, where people are already working on their goals, then Fresh Start seems to let them behave in a way that's strategic and it could harm them.
0: So to say it in a very homely way, uh, there's a new day tomorrow, so I'm going to go home early today and <laughs> not do the work. Uh, and then I come back tomorrow and I don't have time to catch up.
1: Yes, that is the logic for, for the work you have already been doing. Yes.
0: This is just fascinating. So I know you're doing some work on what it's going to take to get people to take a flu shot. I think that is so important right now, not just because of the coronavirus and the oncoming flu as well, the flu season, but I suppose it also has something to do with whether or not you wear a mask. But uh, tell us, if you will, uh, what you've been able to find out about flu shots.
1: Um, So for this flu shot project, what we are interested in is whether and how we can change people's belief or misbeliefs about uh, flu shots. We conducted a some surveys uh, with representative american samples and we identified the few reasons people tend to not get a a flu shot and based on those reasons for example people may underestimate how likely they are going to get the flu or people may underestimate the effectiveness of flu vaccine and based on those reasons we created uh, video materials and uh, we are inviting people to watch those videos And then we want to see what framing of the video can actually make people more likely to update their beliefs. So for example, whether it's the video that has official statistics that emphasize research findings that emphasize CDC, or a video that really has a personal touch that tells a vivid story about another person who got the flu last year who really regrets that she did not take flu shot. Uh, We want to compare those videos with a control video that doesn't talk about flu shot so we can know whether educational video and the format of video really matters in terms of changing people's belief as well as the subsequent flu uptake rates. And this is still a project going on. I'm collaborating with researchers at CMU as well as Penn to do a field experiment on this. But we have done some pilot study online where we recruit people to watch videos and there we have seen very promising patterns such that more personal and emotional video is more likely to make people feel vulnerable to the flu and make them more likely to indicate that they would like to take a flu shot in the upcoming season compared with the more authoritative and official video based on statistics which is further better than not telling people it's important to get a flu shot. So we are excited about opportunity to uh, to test this out in the wild, in the field, with actual patients who are going to see their doctors. So I hope next time I talk to you, I will have some cool data to show you from the field study.
0: Oh, that would be great. And in the meantime, I would assume this is information that would be very interesting to people in advertising and marketing.
1: Yes, totally. I think, uh, I should say we already have insights from prior research, suggesting that uh, using more vivid message rather than based on statistics and those abstract information can better change people's uh, belief and in information. I think we have insights from prior research, but I'm hoping that my research will further add to it um, and especially show how this can create a positive behavioral change.
0: Is this an issue of motivation and not just on the part of the management, but also on the part of the worker?
1: Yes, so I think uh, that's a good question. I think um, not only managers can leverage the insights from our research and workers or people who are pursuing their goals more generally uh, can leverage our insights. For example, going back to the findings about um, people may anticipate a fresh start and then reduce their motivation, I think it's important for them to aware the motivating effect of upcoming temporal landmarks can have on their current goal pursuit. And also having people realize they may not have the time to make up as much as they thought they could, right? And also some of the goals actually require persistence. Even if you temporarily reduce your goal engagement, it could derail you from forming good habits and people may not realize. It, so they are blindly relying on their future self. And also, I think maybe not for managers, but even for coaches or trainers right, who are setting goals for other people and monitor other people's goals, our finding also suggests they should be more careful about leveraging those transition points to motivate others. Because if others are anticipating it, it could backfire. And also, if I may talk about my earlier work suggesting fresh start is a good opportunity to set um, a goal, I think people can also leverage that by recognizing some fresh start opportunities that may seem mundane. They may not realize it before. So, for example, Monday seemed to be a mundane transition point on our calendar, but in our research suggests many people resonate. It is the beginning of a new week. So for those people who have not uh, tried Monday as an opportunity to start a goal, they could think about this as a great moment, uh, because they can tell frame it in their mind as the beginning of a new time period. And that could motivate them to pursue a goal that they may have not uh, successfully pursued in the past.
0: What about the first day of the week? Is, is that a kind of landmark to use?
1: <laughs> there are certainly people who are doing like meatless Monday, like sleep well Monday, uh, a coincidence with our research. I don't know whether it's inspired for sure by our research, but it happened around the same time when there is a trend in doing something cool um, on a Monday. That said, some people choose some. I, I probably should also add that if for you, due to your religious reason or some work reason, Sunday is the first day, uh, Sunday is more natural as the first day of the week then go for it. actually research, uh, not done by me, but by other researchers, suggests that um, if you frame Sunday as the first day of the week, people would also like to start something on Sunday. Or if you frame Monday as the first day of the week, people will do it on Monday. So my point is, it doesn't have to be Monday. It has to be a day that you resonate well and you think can represent the first day of a new period.
0: All right. So we've gone from badminton to baseball to tennis, and uh, most importantly, to some very interesting insights about human behavior, uh, not just in sports, but of course, but uh, many other places as well. And even including uh, medicine and how people uh, determine whether or not they're going to protect themselves uh, from a uh, pandemic. Thank you so much. Heng Chen Dai at UCLA Anderson. Great to have you.
1: Thank you, Warren. It's great talking to you.
0: I'm Norman Alney, and this has been How the World Works.